0: Gives it to Wall. Working against Bradley for three. John well, Oh, what a shot. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch.
1: swinging and a long drive. Deep left field. Going, going, the score.
2: Come on, come on, back to pass, steps up, going deep. Caught, oh, T.O. is leveled by Sean Taylor. And he's slow getting up.
0: Well, this could be a run back from nine d Jacoby
2: Jones, and look at him go, Jones is past the 50, and he is flying inside the 20, and a kickoff return, 109 yards and a touchdown, an all-time record. it inbounds
0: to Nicholas, 4 seconds, 3 seconds, he's across the court, 2 seconds, 1 second, throws it off, and he got it, and the Terrapins win on the shot by
2: Nicholas at the buzzer. Play's win. Highest win! Highest win! Highest win! Highest win! Puck in front, Connolly with a chance, and they score! They score! The puck on a rebound for Lars Zeller! And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions!
1: What's going on, everyone, and welcome to the DMV Dispute. I'm your host, Jeremy John, and you can follow me on Twitter at JSquared021. I'm joined today by my boys, Darren and Gerard. Darren, Gerard, how's everything going with you all?
2: Everything's great. busted, but I'm good. I'm
1: good. <laughs> Still alive, but I'm all right. All right. Uh, Darren, where can everyone find you on twitter
0: i am on twitter at d bird hoops watch out for all of my hot takes and the like just deal with it
2: (laughs) Uh, they can find me on twitter at roddy kg it's at r-o-d-d-y-k-g please don't get offended by anything you may see there i apologize it is all jokes people
1: <laughs> As always, we are proud to do this podcast for one of the top sports websites in the Washington DC metropolitan area. And that is dmvsportsnetwork.com And they can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at DMV underscore SN. They have some great daily content on the website of all things DMV Sports, whether it be professional sports, college, and high school, and a lot more. So after you listen to this podcast, go ahead and check out DMV In addition, please be sure to subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. All right, let's get this show on the road. Over the weekend, this past Saturday, University of Maryland Terrapins lost a buzzer beater to LSU Tigers. The final score for that game was was 79 69 67 so it was tied in with a chance to go to overtime lsu's tremont waters hit the game-winning layup on a play that you could probably say there was a, a slight controversy um there was a some people some people may say that it was an illegal screen that allowed tremont waters to get to the basket easier than he should have but anyway the Maryland Terrapins are no longer in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but let's start with you, Gerard. What was your reaction after the Terrapins LSU game?
2: Um, hurt, pain. Uh, it, was, it was unfortunate. Um, outside of bracket predictions and, you know, the ESPN tournament challenge and everything else, it was upsetting because Maryland had a good season, um, they, had a relative, they had one of the better teams they've had in a long time. And it's unfortunate that it ended the way that it did. Um, I wish that, of course, you know, the shot failed a certain way that would have been better or more beneficial for us. But at the end of it, I think it was a good game. I think they played very well. I wish they had a chance to come back and play what would be essentially a home game at Capital One Arena in front of hundreds of thousands of uh, Terrapin fans. But I think one thing we had to take away from the season is that Maryland is maybe emerging as one of those teams that will be a perennial tournament team, and as you know, that's that anything that's news or newsworthy may seem like, but it's been a while since Maryland has been that basketball power from an area that is so ripe with talent at the high school levels to have a team like Maryland as the local team and not be a truly great basketball program the way it could be. You know, this is something exciting for this generation of Terrapist fans, Well, at least Residents in the DMV to be able to get excited for. I think that it'll be a long time of Terrapin, you know, making a run for the Big Ten Championship, making a run into the Sweet Sixteens and the Elite Eight to the NCAA Tournament. I just hope that they don't. The people that are coming back that were on this team don't forget the feeling that they had of almost making it to the Sweet Sixteen. I just, it hurts. It sucked that it had to go down the way it did, but at the end of the day, I still felt good about it.
0: Uh, how do I feel about this? Disappointed, but not surprised. Honestly, i I didn't have them. I didn't have the turps going too far. Uh, it would have been nice to see them in the Sweet Sixteen, you know. I ooh, I really love this kid. I really love Bruno Fernando. He is like he's just been a, a treat to watch this year and um, a pleasure to watch as his game, you know, uh, improves. And I would have liked to see uh, how far how far he could have taken them. But I mean, at the same time, I mean they had some issues, you know, it, it, in in both of their. Uh, first couple games, they were they were down by double digits, and, you know, it just kind of, I don't think this team had what it took to really go that far anyhow, so uh, I wasn't as sold probably as my uh, fellow debater across the table, Gerard, might have been on the Terps this year, but, uh, you know, it is disappointing, but, you know, I can't say I'm super surprised, but I do I do think that they had a very great season and one they should be proud of overall. And you know, it showed us that this team uh, can be pretty good going forward. You know, uh, they've got pieces in place going forward, and you know, we'll just we'll see what happens on the next team, I guess.
2: And I'm glad that. You, you know, came around a little bit to Maryland and its potential. Yeah, they fell short of my hopes and expectations. And, I mean, they fell short, honestly, when it came down to the Big Ten tournament. You know, they did themselves a disservice by um, not performing to that level and having to face tougher teams earlier in the, in the bracket. Um, but like you said, Bruno Fernando is – a great player, um, at least a great college player. He should hopefully translate that talent well into the next level. Um, it just hope it, it just all. He has to find the right system for him. Uh, he honestly does, but I think he has a skill set that is very easy easily translated to the NBA. Um, he's more of a what would you call a throwback big man. He's very he has some ability to face up and shoot it or do things um, outside of the paint but he's very much a big rebounding floor running uh, forward or center on the next level so we'll see how he does but yeah but like, I agree with everything that you said there. unfortunately is <laughs> the end yeah. of the season for my beloved Terps
1: well, uh, I know. I, I I'll say this also: uh, the Maryland Terrapins definitely fell short of my expectations. I thought they were going to make it to the Sweet 16. Um, Darren is the only one that didn't really expect this team to get this far. And for the record, I got I got to rub I got to rub it in, uh, Gerard. You said they were getting to the Elite Eight, so <laughs> I was I was wrong. But I think you were probably more wrong than me. <laughs> I
2: was listening. I was My whole theory of the Elite Eight was predicated on my assumption that they'd beat whoever they faced in the first game and get a win on Saturday or Sunday to get to the uh, Sweet 16 and using that home crowd feel against whoever they faced as long as it was somebody who they weren't outgunned against, which I don't think anybody in, this, in the Eastern bracket that are incredibly outgunned against any of the teams, that they would be able to carry that to an upset limit. Honestly, if they got past LSU, and had a showdown against Michigan State at Capitol Arena with the entire stadium almost seeming as if he was wearing red, I think they would have surprised a lot of people and bust a lot of brackets, but it didn't happen, so I was wrong. I'll eat that, but I'll sit here and live in what could have been land.
0: To be fair, I did have Maryland going on. I, I did have them winning uh and 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 getting beaten in the next round but you know that's just
1: that's just me so even though we were able to rub it in uh to 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 gerard we do have to give gerard credit he said liberty was gonna win their first matchup against yes. uh who did they play Mississippi, Mississippi State, State. And they State. beat them eighty to seventy six and then they lost to uh, Virginia Tech, but it was close in yeah, the round of 32 games well. up until late in the game. So we got got to give credit to Gerard when he is correct. So <laughs> i got I got to give you that. Um, we, we did say there were six teams from the DMV that were represented in the NCAA tournament. Only two are left, and that is University of Virginia and Virginia Tech. Darren, out of the two schools remaining from the DMV, who do you think will go the furthest? UVA. I got UVA. I got them going.
0: I got them going the furthest. Um, I have, (laughs) don't, don't eat me up for this. I have UVA going, going to the Elite Eight. Um, I just, I, I, I like UVA and I think part of that is just a passion pick because I do like UVA. I have enjoyed watching them and they didn't get taken out by a 16 seed. That's so exciting. I'm super excited again. Uh, but you know, I, I do like UVA. I, I've got them going farther. I just, I don't think that Virginia Tech, um, quite has what it takes, uh, this year to get as far, but you know, I've got, I've got Virginia beating, uh, Oregon uh they play next <laughs> and then and then getting beaten after that but you know i just I, I think i think tech is out in the next round i think that that's it um and then virginia tech is going on i just i like watching this team play and i think that you know they've got what it takes to to move on and make not make it all the way but you know make a decent run
2: uh, i I the two teams, UVA, Virginia Tech, I think I have them both losing in the next round. Um, I think I have Virginia Tech losing to Duke, and I think I have UVA taking the L um, this weekend. Oregon was not the team I I had go making it this far. I very stupidly and against my own judgment, and I say this every year, but I had a Big 12 team. Going against UVA and Sweet 16, and of course they failed me because all you, all the Big 12 does is let let down expectations. But um, <laughs> I I had so I'll probably have to pick Virginia going further because they should be an or a 12 seeded Oregon team. They're better, but their play style, and i will continue to say this, their play style does not lend themselves. To having deep runs in the tournament, it it honestly just doesn't. Um, they have a lot of talent, and so that helps them. But that slower pace and that defense first mentality is one that really can come up and bite you if the other team is hitting shots that it shouldn't, and you're missing in Virginia. Is missing shots that they shouldn't. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, I like I like VT's chances against Duke though. That game against UCS really? showed some weaknesses against that Duke has, and you know it. It's pretty much you know play your defense against the freshman, um, let and let everybody else try to beat you. you know who their monsters are. You know, it's let those other guys try to beat you. And UCF almost did it. They almost did. You know, they, if they were a more disciplined team, if they were a more established team, they could probably would, you probably would have lost. But they lucky that their test came against a mid major who, doesn't have the pedigree that it takes to finish the kill as a coach, I used to say. So, uh, but yes, to answer the question, I got Virginia going further than Virginia Tech uh, in this in the rest of the way in the tournament.
0: Yeah, wow. I, like, I like Virginia's lockdown defense. That lockdown defense is exactly why I have them going farther because they're their defense has been, you know, fantastic. But yeah, it's like you said, if they're playing defense and and they're not hitting their shots in the other end, then yeah, it's it's going to be kind of difficult. But I, uh, you know, defense wins basketball games, as far as I'm concerned, and, and they've got a solid defensive
1: team. Uh, when it comes to my bracket, I have. Virginia Tech, unfortunately, you're losing to the Duke Blue Devils, and I have Virginia getting to the Elite Eight and losing there. So to answer the question, UVA, in my opinion, will go the furthest uh, by one game. Let's uh, move on now to our Washington Redskins. There are several things that are coming out of Redskins Park. Let's start off with uh, Colt McCoy. Sources are saying that Redskins – uh, quarterback, and that could either be the starter or backup, depending on who you think sh- who you think it should be. Uh, but uh, Colt McCoy still has a cast on his broken leg. Is this a cause for concern for the team, Jerron?
2: Um, a slight one, I believe. I I don't think it. I, I don't think it changes anything. Uh, he had to have surgery again recently on his broken leg. Um, Jay Gruden, I want to say, I want to say, Gruden came out and said that he'll be ready by time OTAs uh, start up. I don't think it changes anything for them, or I don't think they're worried because I think their plan stays the same going forward. We acquired Case Keenum as our safety net, and we are going to go into the draft looking to bring in somebody at the quarter position to add to our roster. Now, whether that be a guy in the first round, like the sh- like Haskins or uh, it will be Haskins,
0: it's not gonna happen. He's not gonna fall to us. Uh,
2: uh, nobody said anything about fall. If it's Haskins, if it's uh, trade for Rosen, if is it a uh, a signing of a project guy like? Um, Brett Ripon uh, out, uh, out of Boise, uh, it, it could be a lot of different options, but I think this doesn't change anything. I think they're going into it having a proven starter in Case Keenum and bringing in a young guy to either challenge or learn from him and going forward that way. I don't, you know, it's just a matter of do we have to bring in Josh Johnson for a little bit. Or if we have to sign another uh, journeyman back to get us through OTAs, because Colt McCoy can't go. But I think they're good either way. Uh,
0: you know, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. In Case Keenum, I trust. Uh, you know, I, I don't, don't, don't. Ugh, me? You? die I? Look, I said it. I know how you feel about Case Keenum, but I'm. I told you. It, Maybe it's more of a lateral move, but I'm I'm okay with Case Keenum. You know, I think he's capable of winning football games in the right system with the right players around him. And you know, it, it kind of remains to be seen what the Redskins choose to do for the rest of the off and and how they choose to draft. You know, I'm still in favor of them drafting a quarterback. Uh, especially if, if Colt McCoy isn't ready to go, you know, I'm still in favor of them drafting a quarterback who can learn from the guys. Cause technically, we've still got Alex Smith here, you know, as a mentor figure. He's not going to play next season, but he's still around. He's uh, any developmental quarterback has a Case Keenan to learn from. He'll have a Colt McCoy there. He'll have a nice system of guys around him. Um, But, you know, I trust Case Keenum, you know, this is a guy that got Minnesota uh, to the championship game two seasons ago, uh, albeit with, you know, one of Minnesota's like best teams they've had in a while. Sure. But, you know, I I trust Case Keenum. So I'm not as to go back to the original question. I'm not super concerned about Colt McCoy uh, being not being ready to start in 2019 because you know i've been on record saying i think that case keenum would beat him up for the starting job anyway that's just how i feel personally um i know that your opinions may differ but you know and again i'm gonna say this again in case you haven't been listening to us you know i'm admittedly a little bit higher in case keenum than most i'll i'll say it but you know i like him i like the things that he can bring to the team so I'm okay going forward with Case Keenum or even if he's mentoring a a developmental project, you know, I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm comfortable, you know. And worse comes to worst, it's just more Redskins mediocrity. Another seven and nine or eight and eight season, you know, we're not expecting big things, right?
2: Listen, I mean, first I was with you up until like the very last ten seconds of what you just said. I think that Case Keenum is, uh, if not a lateral move, move a sl- like the most slightly more pro- slightest bit of improvement over Colt McCoy. Yeah, I think talent-wise you're not getting much. I think it's the durability. He's not nearly as injury-prone as a Colt McCoy is, and he's not as self-destructive as Colt McCoy. It seems like every time Colt McCoy plays, he's back down at he's back down in Austin, Texas wearing orange and white and it's the big game again. Like every play is do or die, or the Longhorns won't make it to the Rose Bowl. It's and you know, it sometimes leads to amazing plays from Colt McCoy, but other times it leads to a interception or uh, blown or blown play because he tried to throw a forty-five yards downfield on third and five instead of the seven-yard completion that would have continued the drive. Um, so that's my opinion on Colt McCoy. Now, all that being said, I don't think his cleaner moves the needle that much. I think if you play sixteen games with Colt McCoy, you finish. With this team offense and defense as it's currently situated, you win at most six games. I think you go six and ten with, with Colt McCoy. You put in Case Keenum in that spot, you might go five nine and one. I don't what? think I don't think Case Keenum adds wins to this team. I honestly don't. Uh, I don't think he does. I don't think it's not like it's not like we're the Jacksonville Jaguars and we have this elite top five defense when healthy and talented proven pieces on offense that can that are one to stay healthy and produce and just was lacking consistent quarterback play to really be ended running for playoff success or to be division championship contenders. That's not who we are at all. We need to see a quarterback. Yes. But we need so much else that at least pre-draft, I don't think this team is built around a case Keenum can lead us to the promised land type guy. Uh, Now, do we draft certain players and we do certain things to close off free agency in the season, and maybe a trade here or there, a signing of a guy like Aaron Berry. Tomato, tomato, and things come together a little bit. Maybe Josh Dawson finally wakes up in this training in the summertime preseason. He looks good. We're bringing a rookie receiver, whatever the case would be. Darius Geis is not only healthy and meeting expectations, but surpassing those expectations is looking like a steal from a year ago in the second round. It, if all of those things add up you know, it might be. Then th- there's the value of case Keenum case Keenum is only as good as what you put around it. He doesn't elevate anybody, but he doesn't bring anybody down either. And so that's why I don't, uh, that's why right now called McCoy case Keenum. It doesn't matter. It's just they're Neither one of them are as good as he, as, even as bad as he was last year. Uh, now, even as bad as Alex Smith was before he got hurt, neither one of them, Cole McCoy or Case Keenum, is better than Alex Smith. But they're not as bad as Mark Sanchez or Josh Johnson. So it's just, I don't. It's just, eh, I don't know. Uh, like I said, as the team stands right now, McCoy or Keenum, the results are the same either way. You're most likely out the playoffs. Well, you're definitely, almost definitely, out the playoffs, and most likely drafting in the top ten next year.
0: I still feel that Case Keenum is a more proven starter than Colt McCoy is, and deniably, so,
2: undeniably.
0: So, I feel, I feel comfortable with Case Keenum going forward, even if Colt McCoy isn't ready, even if we draft a rookie quarterback, some sort of developmental project for the future. I still feel more comfortable. Given the options that we've got on the table, I still feel most comfortable with Case Keenum, unless, unless the the whole possibly trading with Arizona for for Josh Rosen, if if they end up. Uh, drafting Kyler Murray with the first overall pick which is looking more and more likely by the day if some sort of trade works out where we acquire then things could get very interesting in the quarterback battle in uh, DC Uh, because if you look at the Arizona team that, that he had around him last year then you know, it's easy to see why they were a terrible team. Give give Rosen this team that we've got here in D.C. At least as far as we've got, as far as we've got so far. Then you know, who knows? Then things could be very interesting going forward. But assuming that that's not going to happen, because I don't really see that happening at this point, then you know, I'm comfortable with Case Keenum over
2: Colt. I mean I'm comfortable with his, my ideal scenario I guess as far as quarterback goes if we if we have to take a rookie if we take a rookie quarterback I think it would be if we take either Rosen Haskins those are the only two I want the Redskins to even go for I don't want Locke and I definitely don't want Jones uh if, take, if it's take it was either Haskins or Rosen I'd rather them start and Case Keenum be the backup and Colt McCoy get cut. I don't I don't Well, be will get cut after the preseason. And rather the rookie or the young quarterback get the start because there's no point in bitching him to learn. Case Keenum's not Brett Favre. He's not gonna be learning a whole bunch sitting behind Case Keenum. Our offensive line's not like the O lines and uh Buffalo or Arizona. We have a good offensive line, so he won't be on his back a lot. And so he'll be able to learn in his rookie year while, get, while getting into the NFL experience. Um, either way, if Case Keaton goes into it, I'm expecting under 500, missing playoffs and high draft pick next year. And that's probably what I prefer because next year's quarterback draft class is a much better one than this one.
0: Will Greer. Appa- I apparently, apparently he had dinner with Gruden the night for the pro day.
2: He had he had dinner with Gruden. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, I mean honestly, even if I mean I don't know about Will Greer. He had a good pro day, but what I saw from him at West Virginia, I wasn't really uh impressed with what I saw on tape. Uh, maybe, you know, him in the NFL scheme might be a little different, but either way, I'm not super impressed by it. Uh, if I had to take a quarterback, I want I want one extreme the other. I want one ready to start day one or one that will start three years from now that we draft in the f- sixth round. I don't want a guy – Who's for whatever reason, those mid rounds, day two, early day three quarterback. I don't want that. Um, And who knows? I honestly, honestly, the way I feel like Snyder's brain works, I honestly see them trading up to get Haskins. I see it happening. I honestly do. I don't know what they're going to do to trade to get it. I don't know how they're going to get it done, but I I feel like Snyder is in Ashburn right now yelling at the front office and whoever else to make a splash. And if they don't come up with something impressive by draft night, he's going to say, pick up the phone, call the Jets, and get me the number three
1: pick and get me Dwayne Haskins. Man, oh man, it's going to be really interesting to see how all this plays out, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, The draft is going to be a little, about a month from now, uh, but free agency started about a week and change ago. Um, Start off with you, Darren. What are some moves that you think the Redskins should make before the NFL draft? This is a tough one
0: because i like some of the moves they that they've made so far i think i think as far as things go it's a hard question to answer because i'm very interested to see how they draft there's some interesting draft prospects i know we we kind of touched on it in our last topic with you know even just from the from the quarterback situation um, but there's some interesting draft prospects out there, you know, putting aside, setting aside a Will Greer, who again, I'm kind of like a little bit higher on, you know, there's, there's guys like the DK Metcalfs and whatnot of the world, but as far as free agency goes, I don't, I don't know. I think the biggest thing would probably be um, maybe getting in the market for at least uh, one more receiver, somebody to kind of shore up the offensive line, especially if we're going with a Case Keenum at quarterback who, you know, admittedly needs probably some better guys in that offensive line around him. Uh, But, I mean, I would recommend we probably go um, on the offensive side as far as free agency goes. And then, you know, let's – it's hard to say without seeing what happens uh, in the draft. So, you know, the Redskins could have, you know, a pretty good draft. They could have a kind of subpar draft. You just, you never really know with this team. So, um, but I like the moves that they've made so far. I like that, you know, we're going to have Darius Geis back. We're going to have Adrian Peterson back. We're going to have, um, we're going to have Chris Thompson. We'll have our, our running back core there. We'll have, you know, Landon Collins at safety. I love the Landon Collins signing. Um, and, you know, so far I'm just I'm I'm pretty happy with what they've done so far. So I think at this point it's kind of just looking forward to the draft and seeing what happens there.
2: Um I, there's still a couple of moves before the draft I want to see them make. I want like you kinda of alluded to I want to see them bring in some O line help. Um, there's some um, interior offensive linemen that are still available out there that they can uh, attempt to go after and make a move for. I wanna see that happen a little bit. I'd rather find a veteran safety to bring in before the draft. Um a guy like Trey Boston is still out there. Eric Berry is still out there. Those kind of guys I would have seen come and join the team at least through training camp. If you sign if you if you draft a guy and he performs well and Troy Apke uh continues to improve maybe and you figure out what's going on with Monte Nicholson, then you know, you don't have to keep him on your fifty three once the season starts, but at least bring a guy in and provide some veteran experience and some leadership and competition in your defensive back room. Um, let them, they need to sign a receiver. I, I don't know. This is a very good receiving class as far as the draft goes, but receivers are so hit and miss in the draft. It's very rare that you'll get a guy like an Odell Beckham, like a Jarvis Landry, who comes straight out of college and has an immediate impact at the NFL level a lot of receivers take time to develop and become reliable targets for their offense. And there are guys out there, there's Michael Crabtree, Jordy Nelson that they could go after who can provide some type of experience. And at the very least the ability to win off the, off the, off the line of scrimmage. You know, I think that they're worth exploring bringing in and to, a quarterback, because no matter what, we're going to have a quarterback that did not start here last year, whether it be Colt McCoy, who only started a half, if not even a whole half, of the season of a game last year, Case Keenum, or some rookie or a new quarterback we acquired through draft or trade. And so. I think having that veteran guy who knows how to perform, who knows how to win, which is something we do not have. I don't care what you tell me. Paul Richardson, Josh Dotson, Trey Quinn, those guys are either unproven or they've proven that they don't know how to win off the off the ball. And so um, that's some those are the some of the things I want to see them do. I wouldn't mind seeing them try to answers some questions at linebacker, whether it be the interior linebacker core, uh Zach Brown um getting gone or the edge with Preston Smith. I like Ryan Anderson a lot, but I don't know if he's a starting edge rusher in the NFL. I don't I haven't seen enough from him to think that he can handle that load full time. One thing you can never say about Preston Smith is that, you know, he wasn't durable. He played every snap that Ryan Kerrigan played. And he wasn't as productive, but he was productive enough and he was durable. So a guy like that, you know, that's the, that's my minimum. Ryan Anderson has to at least be able to provide me what Preston Smith gave me as far as production value. But I think Anderson might be a little bit better against the one that Preston Smith was. But I think that I would still like to see somebody come in and compete for those spots. Not a pronomic feat, but somebody who actually started somewhere in a similar system and had some semblance of success.
1: all right we oh go ahead uh darren
0: oh no i was just gonna say i was gonna comment that you know i'm not i'm not super high on on ryan anderson either so i'm i'm with you i need to see i need to see a little bit more from him uh going forward but i'm not super comfortable uh with him there but yeah uh, i'm pretty much mostly in agreement with
1: you all right we will get back to the washington redskins a little later in this episode let's move on now to the washington nationals quickly uh the washington nationals home opener is uh, a week from tomorrow uh, if i'm correct uh yes a week from tomorrow it'll be tuesday april the 2nd and the first home game or the first homestand will be versus the philadelphia phillies obviously bryce harper will make his return to nats park Starting with you, uh, Gerard. If you were going to be at Nats Park for the home opener, would you be one of those people who would be booing Bryce Harper?
2: No, I wouldn't. I would not boo Bryce Harper at all. Uh, even though he left and he didn't do it in the best of ways, he that he could have done it. I will not boo Bryce Harper because uh, he's still a. Um, big reason why the Nationals are even a national, highly recognizable name and team in their sport. He put them on the map, and honestly, he made me a fan of the Nationals. I'm very young, well, not very young, but I'm 25. Um, I never was really into baseball before the Nationals got here, and then even when they got here, I wasn't a huge Baseball fan. It was just cool that for the first time we had a baseball team in DC, and so I was a you know I was a fan by default. I I went to some of those early games at RFK before Nationals Park was built, and you know it was fun, but I didn't you know enjoy much of what was going on until Bryce Harper came along and brought that level of excitement that the team hadn't had before. And so, for that, I'll always be a fan of his and be a fan of what he brought to the city. It's um, so unfortunate fortunate he decided that this place wasn't, D.C. wasn't a place he wanted to spend his entire career. Um, but I won't boo the man for making the decision that he made for himself and for his uh, loved ones and family. And I hope I hope he doesn't have that much success in Philly. I hope they lose every time they play us, and I hope that Philadelphia doesn't get another championship because they don't deserve one because the city sucks. But I hope that um, I hope all the best for him. I hope health and um, everything else for him. But I just I'm not, I'm not I won't I won't do him. He didn't leave in a way that hurt my heart, I would
0: say. Yeah, I uh, I will always thank Bryce Harper for putting DC baseball on the map. Uh, he is the first bona fide star that the modern uh, nationals have had. Uh, so I will always thank him for that. Uh, I will be at the home opener next week, and I will not boo. Bryce Harper. Uh, but I will understand if other fans choose to boo him simply because of, you know, this is basically the franchise that, that raised him as a baseball player. And, and you know, for him to just kind of leave uh, like that and just sort of kind of shun us and decide that, you know, DC wasn't where he wanted to be, um, especially to leave for Philly of all places, like seriously. But that's talk about that another day but you know i just uh, i can't find i can't see myself booing him i mean yeah for every for all the reasons that you mentioned and more just like for the things that he brought to dc baseball wise and you know for being our star here i can't boo him but at the same time he'll get his cheers on his first return and then after that he's the enemy period like that's that's just how I see it. That's how I'd see like any former player uh, that returns to DC. You know, cheer for him. Like, hey, thanks for thanks for the great years. And then you know, once the game starts, all right, like you're on the other side and you're with Philadelphia. You know, so I I would boo him as as a player for the Phillies, but you know I wouldn't boo him as Bryce Harper. I'd boo him as the opponent. But that that's about it. So. That's where I'm at with it.
2: I, I think we're both in a minority on this one, man. I honestly think <laughs> yeah. I think he's gonna be showered in a bunch of jeers and booze come opening day. Because opening days where you find the the nationals faithful, and a lot of national faithful really, really felt betrayed by Price Harper in a way I can't quite understand one because I'm not as diehard of a Nationals fan as a diehard natural fan would be, uh, mm-hmm. and so maybe the tr- maybe the decision hit them a little harder than it hit me. I think I came to ter- I think it's because I came to terms with it a little early. And the whole process, I knew at the home run derby he was coming back. Yeah, he put on that huge show and won the blah blah. It was great. It was nice. It was a great lead for ESPN. But I knew for a fact he was not coming back here then and there Uh, because honestly, I felt like if he wanted to come back, he knew how. I mean, the he knew how much Nationals could offer him. Um, and when he didn't. Extend his contract when he said he wanted to test the free agent market. He didn't truly want to be here, and so I took that as okay. I don't accept to coming back. Who are the other guys on the team? You're not number thirty four. And so um, it sucks, but I yeah, I think he's going to get just hammered come uh, opening day.
1: Yeah, I, I believe we we are in the minority because if I were to be at that game and I'm debating, tickets are still relatively cheap. I mean, I can probably grab a couple of tickets on StubHub. I'm debating if I'm gonna go. Um, I would say if I do go, I'm probably still gonna go on my net Bryce Harper nash jersey, to be honest. Uh just just to wear. But anyways, um yeah, I think we're in the minority. I, I think a lot of people are going to boo Bryce Harper, and I don't think it's right. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I've personally believed the Nationals had to offer upwards of 350 375 to really cement Bryce Harper here. And when you hear that the offer that they gave him where it was $300 million and only $200 million of it, you know, during the life of the contract and $100 million of it when he's at age 65, you know, deferred to his age 65, yeah, that that's – That's not what Bryce wanted. So I actually do not feel bad for him. And and to be honest, I think the firing of Dusty Baker was another reason why Bryce Harper did not return because Bryce Harper really loved dusty breaker uh dusty baker but uh before we continue it's time to tell you about dmv sports network's library of podcasts right now we have nine active shows including team shows for the redskins capitals nationals wizards ravens we have fantasy fever which is dealing with all things fantasy football and a pair of mixed bag shows from it's about time dc and dom and thunder all of these shows are available wherever podcasts can be found so please Check these shows out. And if you like any of them, make sure you leave a review and subscribe to these shows. Now, this is this potentially we have two more questions, uh, but uh these are probably the two more exciting questions of today's episode. The Washington Wizards, uh, they are one loss and one Miami Heat victory away from being mathematically eliminated. Team owner Ted Leonsis said uh, that the future, his future intentions for the team, will be evaluated during the remainder of the regular season. What do you think, Darren Leonsis will do at the end of the season? Anything
0: short of firing Ernie Grunfeld would be a disservice to this organization, the fans, the players, everybody else in DC. Listen. I don't know what dirt Ernie Grunfeld has on Ted Leonsis. I don't know what blackmail he has on him that allows him to keep his job this long. But I mean, Ted needs to figure out some way to get out from under Ernie's thumb and just like get rid of him. Cause I'm ready to see some front office change, like some real front office change. And, you know, I want to hearken back to, you know, just earlier in the season, uh, you know, to give you the quick rundown, the the big, like boiling point, mountainous erupting, uh, uh, practice that they had, in which Bradley Beal basically directly called out Ernie Grunfeld um, with his infamous "It starts from the top," and then you know john wall cursing out scott brooks in the same practice you know it's clear that something here isn't working and i'm in bradley beale's corner in in the sense that it does start from the top and ernie has just sort of mismanaged this team you know just from you know from his off-season moves handing out ridiculous contracts i will say this ernie grunfeld is decent at at fixing mistakes or just sort of, you know, putting lipstick on on mistakes that he's made. But it's kinda of like putting lipstick on a pig. At the end of the day, you know, it's still it was still a bad move when you look at it. But, you know, it starts from the top. So Ernie needs to go. I'm tired of his off season moves. I'm tired of him giving out these ridiculous contracts to players who just don't work, you know, and you know, getting rid of, or I'm sorry, signing uh, Andrew Nicholson. Remember his contract that we barely managed to get out from under, and then Jan Mahinmi still sitting there picking up those DMPs with all that money that he's making. Uh, before, so before
1: uh, you move, before you move on, Darren, I just want to interrupt you about this yeah. one. Uh, we are still paying Martell Webster. That's all. Yes, yeah,
0: yes, we we yes, he is still getting something like what was eight hundred and thirty three thousand or
1: something this year, I think. I think this <laughs> this <is> last. <laughs> Martell Webster, what has he been almost five years out of the league?
2: Yeah, just about five years.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, that's that's right. We're we're still paying him. This is the last year that we're paying him, um, thankfully. But he's still on the books. So yeah, Martell Webster is still here. Is still on the books technically, and it's just it's ridiculous that they the choices that he's made. So you know he needs to go, and then from then on we'll kind of see. Like I'm. I'm over Scott Brooks as a coach. I miss Randy Whitman. I was one of his defenders when he was originally fired. You know, he probably needed to go at the time, but, you know, we should have known what we were getting with Scott Brooks. And he already has... I believe he has, like, a worse record in his three seasons uh, than Randy Whitman had in his final three seasons. I think that was a stat that, um, that I saw recently. Uh, uh, you're and,
1: totally right about that stat.
0: Yeah. So, I mean... I I just – changes need to happen, starting in the front office, especially if we want to keep our stars in D.C. because I feel like as long as Ernie is here, Bradley Beal is out the door, you know, John Wall, well, he's going to be around until we trade him. Uh, That's a fact. But, you know, I just – I feel like it needs to start at the top. He needs to go. Anything short would be blatantly disrespectful to anybody who's a D.C. basketball fan.
1: Now, Darren, I, what do you think Ted Leonsis is gonna do? I think <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: I didn't even get to that. Sorry, I have so many feelings. I think yeah, I Ernie know. is I gone. Can tell. I could. I think I. I think Ernie is gone. Because, sorry, I, I was going to get to that. I just I oh, had so much anger that I needed to get out. <laughs> I, think, I think Ernie is gone. You know, T- Ted Leonsis seems to have finally dropped uh, several hints over the course of the season that if the Wizards don't make the playoffs and if they do have, like, a super disappointing season, that changes are going to come. Now, Ted has lied to us before, so I'm going to keep that in mind. But I think that this is probably that tipping point, especially seeing as how, you know, the Capitals just won a championship, you know, on the other side of monumental sports. The Washington Mystics just made the WNBA finals last summer, which I'm a huge Mystics fan, in case y'all didn't know. I love my Mystics. they're doing big things. I think he sees all of these other, you know, decent franchises doing good things. So I think he's starting to feel like the pressure's on. He's got to keep up. So I think he starts by uh, making changes in the front office, starting with uh, firing Ernie. And I'm not sure that he would necessarily fire Scott Brooks at this point, considering he still has like two more years left on his contract. And I think he just doesn't want to give up on that on that dead money just yet. Um, but I, so I don't, I think Scott Brooks's job is probably safe, but I, th- I feel like Ernie's job is not super safe. I believe it was in an interview with CBS recently where, uh, he was kind of asked about this, I mean, indirectly. And he said, well, something to the effect of, well, we'll have to evaluate it, especially if we don't make the playoffs or something, if this is really the right direction to go, et cetera. So I think he's finally starting to, to warm up to the idea of making real changes in the front office. So, I think that that's probably what happens uh going forward.
1: Gerard, what do you think? What do you think Ted Leonsis is going to do?
2: Honestly, I believe it's all a bunch of BS. I don't think he's going to do anything. I think it's going to come to the end of the season, Wizards are going to finish 10th place in the Eastern Conference, or wherever they're going to finish. Either way, outside that top eight, outside the playoffs, I don't think anything's going to happen. I think Grunfield's going to stay. I think Scott Brooks is going to stay. I honestly don't think anything is going to happen. Maybe, at the very minimum, it's some sort of what would be scary, similar set up to what the Redskins did and just reshuffle the organization a little bit, give Grunfield a new title, bring somebody in to make it sound like they make decisions based on player, make decisions on player personnel and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, it's still Grunfield running the team for Leonces. um Because to be 100% honest, now think. In our next topic, we're going to get to it. I think that Leonis does not care enough about the Wizards to make any sweeping changes. I do think he's a little bit more concerned about team image than other owners, namely Dan Snyder in D.C., in a sense that if a large group of Wizards fans started a hashtag Fire Ernie movement like they did the Fire Bruce movement, I think he would respond to that in some form of fashion, not just thumb his nose at it like Dan did by giving Bruce Allen a promotion. And so I think that, no, I think nothing's going to happen. I think he's saying all this because as an owner, he's supposed to be upset his team didn't make the playoffs. Oh, we're going to make changes this offseason. we got to make sure we're going in the right direction. Blah, 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 rah rah rah. I don't see it happening. I honestly don't. I'll be very surprised if anything happens. Uh, and to your point, if they do if they do get somebody else and get Grunfeld out of there, Brooks is gone too. No GM in their right mind is going to come in to the situation and keep Brooks with the level of success he's been having. He, he's going to he's going to get gone if they find a new GM. Because yes, the wall injuries happened bad, but this team, and especially this team this year, before the trade deadline and after the trade deadline are still more talented top to, about, top to bottom than the Nets, than the Hornets, than the Heat, and maybe even the Pistons. And all of those teams are going to the playoffs. And even the teams like the Pacers, minus Oladipo, this team has more talent then, but they have not found a way to get themselves situated is someone that falls on Brooks, even with Wall being hurt.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. I know I've given my thoughts about what I think the Wizards should do. We'll probably talk about it more a little later in this uh during this NBA season or maybe when the off season hits, which isn't far for the Washington Wizards. <laughs> when it comes to our last question uh, or last topic of the evening, it has to do with the Wizards, but it also has to do with the Washington Redskins. You all are fans of both of the teams. I'm only fan. I'm only a fan of one of the teams. One of the teams, the Washington Wizards. So this question, uh, would you rather have Wh- which would you rather happen? Which would you rather have happen? That's uh, somewhat of a tongue twister. Uh Gerard, I'll start with you. Snyder sells the Redskins or Leonsis sells the Wizards?
2: Ah. Oh. It's tough because I'm more of a devoted Skins fan than a Wizards fan only because it's the only football I've ever loved. I love any form of basketball I can digest, but football, if it's not Redskins football, I'm slightly detached from it. But, and as crazy as this is, and I never thought I would ever say this, I think I'd rather have Leonces sell than Snyder. Snyder is a universally known hated owner. And as bad as they come, as far as team owners go. But I think what Leonces is doing with the Wizards is... Worse, because Snyder, with, with all his faults, he's pretty much charged with charged with being just a meddling, nose nosy, annoying little brat who wants who has his hands too much in whatever in the team he owns without having legitimate football knowledge to back it up. Leonsis, on the other hand, he just doesn't care. He doesn't care about what happens with the Wizards, and I think it's something that is been the understood statement going back into when he had to buy the team. He wanted the Capitals, he got the Capitals, but when the owners and I'm having the. Damn this time to remember their names. When the uh Poland. When the owner died and he had to bring in and he had to absorb the wizards as well. It was like somebody said, We'll give you this amazing, amazing puppy. Beautiful, cute little thing running around. It's gonna bring you a lot of joy. But to get it, you have to also take this giant cactus that you also have to take care of and it's like he got his puppy and he's really into it, takes it to the park and now going on White House visits and championship runs with this puppy which is the Capitals and he just let that cactus give. he gave it to his buddy Ernie and said hey just make sure it doesn't die and it doesn't really care what happens to the Wizards because if he did, if he cared for the Wizards the same way he cared for the Capitals, he would not be able to stomach the type of mediocrity in this rut they've been in for the past 10 years. And that's why I'd rather, I'd rather have somebody like a Dan Snyder or Mark Cuban or somebody who's so hands-on with what's going on with the team that they care about it. Because if you care about something, you put all that time and effort into it, you're not going to be satisfied with mediocre, and you're going to want sweeping changes. And I think that's something that the Wizards don't have. And so, as amazing as it may seem, I'd rather have Snyder as owner than uh, tay Leonsis.
0: Okay. This is a very, very difficult one for me because I don't like Dan Snyder as an owner. I just, there's so many things I don't like about him. Um, but he is involved with the Redskins franchise and Ted. Ted's got his hand in too many cookie jars, so to speak, you know, he's got, you know, he's over monumental sports. So, you know, he owns the capitals, he owns the mystics, he owns the wizards, you know, you know, he's got, he's got the valor, He's just, he's got his hands in too many things. And I think that, it's tough for me because I think that selling the Wizards also has kind of a ripple effect because him selling the Wizards, while uh, while I think that they still kind of remain with you know the whole monumental sports and everything, I think I, I think it, it it has a bit more of a ripple effect as far as the other franchises go that that Ted is involved in. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want the Wizards staying with an owner who just basically doesn't care about the the team. Uh, And Ted has made it very clear the Wizards are not his priority. His priority is like, you know, the capitals and just running his business and whatnot, and just they're sort of an afterthought. You know, he seems to, he does seem to have an open door policy for his stars, which is nice. And he does seem to, like, respect them. And, you know, he shows mad love for the players. Like, whenever one of them is suspended, he'll show up to the next game wearing their jersey, as we've seen with guys like Nene and Kelly Oubre in the past. Uh, So, I mean, there's some level of care there. Uh, But at the same time, you know, I, I, I... I feel like this season has been the most that we've heard from Ted as far as the Wizards go, and only because they've been such a disappointing travesty of a team that he feels like he kind of has to step in and answer questions, because I feel like Ernie Grunfeld doesn't really say anything to to the media or anyone else, uh, at least much less than other guys say. So I guess... In the grand scheme of things, I would agree with you in that I'd rather have Dan Snyder around, a guy that actually seems to care about the team, as opposed to Ted Leonsis who will block anyone on Twitter who directly asks him about wanting to fire Ernie and asking why he hasn't fired Ernie yet and saying that he's a terrible owner. So, I would say that, you know, I'd have to go with, I'd rather see Ted sell the Wizards than Snyder sell the Redskins. That's where I'm at.
2: And, mean, it's amazing we agreed on this because it's not many people that, you know, would say they'd rather keep Snyder in there. But I think it's...
0: And, dude, I went I went back and forth during your entire argument. I was like, I it's a tough question because I was originally ready to just be like, nope, I would rather have Snyder sell the team because I don't like Dan Snyder. But at the same time, I don't like him, but he does care... Relatively more than than Ted Leonsis cares
2: about I, that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, of course, everybody knows Snyder cares. That, that's just that's just the problem. He cares, but he does. He's not smart enough to find people who actually know football and surround himself with those people. He likes to surround himself with yes men and people that will blindly follow his lead and either that or a guy like Bruce who doesn't seem to always be on the same page with Snyder, but has a certain level of, I guess, gravitas and doesn't back down from Bruce and, I mean, you know, from Dan and, you know, has a good business mind and saves some money, which is great and all that, but uh, it's... Both teams, the ownership is so bad. It, it's such a muck and it's such a mess that it's hard to really find any good in any of them. Leon says I just honestly think he doesn't care. And I think it's as simple as that. Uh, I just think he doesn't care about... The Wizards and the Mystics as much as he cares with the Capitals, and he might he might never will. It might take something like Ovechkin retiring for him to truly look at the Wizards and give them the level of care and attention that he's been giving the Capitals this whole time, because that'd be a dip, because he can't go, he can't have two teams. That are in undefined eras. Once the Ovechkin era ends for the Capitals, there has to be something else in DC because the way it's tracking, it won't be nothing going on for the Redskins. The Wizards still have Wall and Bill, but who knows how long they'll have that or how long they'll be able to stay relevant. And so, it has to something has to give. And I think that Leonsis knows that, at least I hope he does. Either way, if a very, very rich uh, person who's a D.C. native or who has investments in D.C. wanted to uh, open up an offer for the Wizards and the Mystics. i I would like to see that happen. I remember I saw somewhere about Jeff Bezos doing it. I hope not. Um he has, uh, he no, has, no, thank you. He has the money to do it, but I'm really, really scared he tried to take the team to Seattle. And then I I I, I
1: don't oh, know. No, we him. won't allow that here. Yeah. <laughs> you never
2: know. You never know. But we
1: won't allow that. My yeah. goodness. For the record, um, Man, this one I'm not gonna lie, it's a tough it's a tough one. Uh but to add for the sake of the question, I think if uh if Daniel Snyder is no longer the owner of the Redskins, I do believe that whoever does come in will probably do a better job of actually having football people in place. And then maybe then the Washington Redskins may actually uh win some win a super bowl you know pretty quick but uh but real quick real quick before we wrap up I want to go back I'm here I'm online looking at some stuff I want to go back to the previous question and I just have to or the previous topic I just have to say this Ernie Grunfeld better be gone because I'm looking at the free agents that are going to be available in 2020 2020 there's no one available that's really good in 2020 don't do it so all the, all of the good talent was supposed to be this summer 2019 however there's so many bad contracts on this on the on the books that we can't do nothing and then of course we have the unfortunate situation with John Wall getting injured uh, uh during the season which you know complicated the situation but Ernie Grunfeld even with the John Wall injury without the John Wall injury Ernie Grunfeld did not put this team in a situation to actually try and get good talent here all of the good talent is 2019 when we finally have some space it's 2020 there's no one good in it but anyways that's that's my little rant about it and I hope Ernie Grunfeld's definitely out of here um that'll be that'll be the show is wrapping up (laughs) I'm so, I'm so, I'm so upset about what I just said that I can't even think straight to wrap up this shit, (laughs) man but yes that'll be uh that'll about do it for us here at dmv dispute hope you enjoyed the show and if you did subscribe to us wherever podcasts are available and maybe even leave us a review on itunes as it will help us grow in the charts and reach more people you can find us on twitter i am j squared zero two one darren what about you
0: You can find me at D-Bird Hoops, D-B-I-R-D Hoops. Welcome back to the NBA, Jimmer Fredette. Yep, yep. And then you,
1: Gerard.
2: You can find me at Roddy KG. That is at R-O-D-D-Y-K-G. That's all I have. Thanks, folks. Thanks for listening.
1: Don't forget to check out DMVSportsNetwork.com. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter at DMV underscore SN. And if you want to join the team, contact them via Twitter, the website, or shoot them an email at DMVSportsNetwork at Outlook.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.
2: Peace out, guys. Thanks. Good night, world.